Saturday rather than Friday. This week I want to talk to you about the, the Fediverse. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about the Fediverse again this week, uh, reading about it in terms of how it's been applied, or how it will be applied I should say, to Threads.net. So according to their website, Meta intend to make Threads part of the Fediverse. Quote, Our plan is to make Threads part of the Fediverse, a social network of different servers operated by third parties that are connected and can communicate with each other. Each server on the Fediverse operates on its own, but can talk to other servers on the Fediverse that run the same protocol. We plan for Threads to use a protocol called ActivityPub to talk to other servers that support this protocol." End quote. So if that goes ahead, that would make Threads the main user of the ActivityPub protocol that now powers Mastodon and other smaller Fediverse sites effectively becoming the dominant user in the space with the largest user base by far. So in plain English, what exactly is the Fediverse? The Fediverse is taking a concept from computer science called distributed computing and it's applying that to a social network. So what you're effectively doing is you're removing central control from the network and you're distributing responsibility to enable the network to effectively regulate itself. So this is often called distributed computing, and it's a well-understood approach to enable applications to scale across networks. So in theory, um, when applied to a social media platform, it's meant to empower the users of that platform to have more freedom, um, to make it more democratic, to make it more free. Sounds great in theory, but in my opinion, all existing social media Fediverse implementations are not truly free. Because if you can ban a user or you can block an instance, they actually do have central authority. From what I've seen so far with the ActivityPub protocol, it's not really possible to block an individual user, but you can block instances and there are block lists being distributed amongst the various different server admins. In some instances, I've heard of entire servers being banned on Mastodon, for example, resulting in ghettos forming. So what you're effectively doing is you're going to split the, um, the social network into different ghettos where people only want people in their neighborhood, let's say, who they like, who they agree with, who they are you know, politically aligned with, let's say, and they don't want people coming in who have different views. So they start to block each other's instances, and this is something that will happen organically over time uh, with the activity pub protocol or similar protocols. Effectively, it's a weakness in the protocol. If you enable any kind of a ban, um, it's not truly distributed. It's not truly a Fediverse. Instead, what you've got is you've got lots of little villages um, that have walls around them rather than one big city where everybody lives happily. So how do we fix this? Um, so in my opinion, the first Fediverse that uses the blockchain will, will actually win this market. 
as blockchains are the closest thing we have got to a truly decentralized platform. So for those that are not too familiar with blockchains and crypto and Web3, um, a blockchain is effectively a, a distributed ledger. So if you think about an old fashioned ledger, it's a big book that you write entries into. And you start from the first page and you work your way all the way to the, the last page and you record um, various transactions. That's something that's been around for hundreds of years. A, a distributed ledger is where multiple people have the same copy of transactions. So we don't have a single copy of that ledger. We have multiple identical copies of that ledger spread all over the internet. That's effectively what a blockchain is and it's encrypted. So what that means is that the, the distribution of those uh, transactions is done in a secure way at a protocol level. And it's a really brilliant innovation. And nobody owns a blockchain. It is truly distributed. There's no central authority. And there's no concept of part of the blockchain becoming disconnected from the other part of the blockchain, for example, because some server admin decides they want to block some instances. It just doesn't support that at a protocol level. Now, right now, of course, in most people's minds, when they hear blockchain, they think crypto, they think Bitcoin, they think all of those things are intrinsically linked. But the reality is that, in my opinion anyway, um, I think blockchain technologies have a, a vibrant second life beyond fintech ahead of them. So at the moment, they're only being used in, in fintech or financial technology. So they've been used for financial use cases like cryptocurrencies, like NFTs, etc. And that's that's fine. I've no issue with that. Um, but I think they can be applied to many other domains. And I think one domain that they could be applied to is social media. Now, it's not that straightforward. There are some challenges. Uh, one um, feature of a, a ledger is that once something is written into the ledger, it's called immutable. So it, it can't change. Um, it's, it's a record. It's a historical fact. And it's not something that you can go back later and, and edit. And, and that's by design. And that's, in, that's the intent of a, of a ledger. If you think about a ledger in the accountancy world, um, obviously if a financial transaction has taken place, nobody has any business going back and editing the, the details of that transaction on the ledger after the fact. Um, in fact, that would probably be fraudulent. So distributed ledgers, uh, it's the same concept. It's immutable. So once something goes into the, the blockchain, it stays there. It remains as is. That particular record, that particular um, piece of data on the blockchain, that token, it's, it's immutable. It's not going to mutate into something else. So of course, an immutable blockchain ledger uh, would make user content edits uh, difficult, uh, but not impossible if the ledger contains a content token like, for example, the way NFTs work today, rather than the content itself. So in plain English, um, what's in the ledger is a pointer to the content, but not the content itself. So that means that the pointer to the content won't change, but that the content itself, which could be outside of the ledger or outside of the blockchain, it can change, which would enable edits and, even, and indeed even deletes. So we won't be reinventing the problem of Twitter where, <laughs> you know, famously it doesn't have a support for edits. Well, it does these days, but you have to pay. 
So Twitter has never had a federated backend. It's never been part of the so-called Fediverse. But in the early days, it was extremely distributed on the front end. Can you imagine, for example, that the first few years I used Twitter, I exclusively used third-party clients. Uh, back in those days, as a, as a PAM WebOS fanboy, uh, shout out to fellow fanboys that may be listening. There's probably a hundred of us left in the world. Uh, my Twitter UX was an application called Bad Kitty. And before Twitter shut down access to third-party clients like these, every user was using their own personal favorites. So if you can imagine, uh, very few users at, at that stage in the early days of Twitter were using the official Twitter clients. They were using third-party clients, and everybody was using different clients, depending on their preference. So while the, the backend wasn't federated, it was centrally controlled. The clients were not centrally controlled. The clients were actually quite free and open. Uh, you could use whatever client you wished. And unfortunately, it's been in more recent years, um, this is before um, Elon Musk's takeover, this was under Jack Dorsey, they started to restrict access to the API for third-party client developers because uh, Twitter naturally realized that they were losing eyeballs. Um, people were not looking at Twitter via Twitter clients. So that was obviously cutting into their advertising revenue. Um, instead, they were bypassing those clients and accessing the Twitter data directly via the API using third-party clients that did not display ads. So obviously that was no good for for Twitter's bottom line. So they basically cut that out in recent years, which is which is a shame. But I get why they've done it from a business perspective. So personally, I yearn for a truly federated social media platform that uses a blockchain on the back end for distributed storage with no centralized API, no centralized authority, no shared block list, and the freedom to use any third party client that I want. For me, that's the dream. But the reality is that that doesn't exist from anybody. Nobody is providing that. Even the people who are claiming that they have a, a Fediverse, they don't. It just sounds cool, but when you look at it closely, they really don't meet the criteria. They have partial implementations, but they don't have true implementations. I think, for example, where you want to block users because they're being annoying, um, those blocks can happen at the client level, but it should never be happening at the instance level. Once you start kicking people outside of the, the club, it's no longer a, a public club, it's a private club and you've introduced some authority. And there's nothing new here, guys. The concept of a, a, a Fediverse was coined back in 2008 with a service called Identica. Quote, in 2008, Evan Prodomu founded the social network Identica. He published a software under a free license, the GNU Afro General Public License, or AGPL, it defined the O-status protocol, end quote. That's a quote from the Wikipedia page on the Fediverse, a link in the notes. But essentially, that O-status protocol, we can think about it as being a precursor to the ActivityPub protocol that Mastodon uses today and Treads are planning to move to. So there's nothing new here. There's been a lot of work going on for years to try to come up with a, an open protocol for social networks. And I think that's admirable. I think that's a, a worthwhile endeavor. But I think the the underlying uh, blockchain protocols are actually better at this stuff. They're more efficient. 
Uh, I think the implementations are better and I think they're actually more open. I think those protocols are more suitable. So Mastodon is not using the blockchain for distribution and some of the documentation is actively hostile towards Web3. I reference a couple of these in the notes for this podcast. Um, but when you look at the, uh, the language that they're using, they're, they're very adamant that they're not part of Web3 and they're not part of that community. They see Web3 as being uh, exclusively a fintech uh, thing. It's, it's capitalism. It, it, it's dirty. And it doesn't really sit with their um, political standpoint. So they're very hostile towards even the idea of using something like a blockchain, which is a shame because um, I think it's actually better technology. And I don't understand why people are insisting on seeing blockchains as being exclusively something for finance and capitalism. The technology doesn't care, guys. The technology does not have any political beliefs. It's kind of, it's kind of dumb, but, you know, hey-ho. Now, I've done a bit of research on this during the week, and I wanted to see if anybody was actually attempting to build a, a Twitter-like service on top of Web3 protocols. And I did find that there are some POCs that exist out there on the internet. Um, I will also link to those in the, the notes for this podcast. But I would say that they're more like technology demos at this stage or, or POCs, you know, proof of concepts. Um, they're working. You can take the code. You can run the code. Uh, most of them seem to sit on top of Ethereum. Um, and they look cool. They, they show that this can be done. But I don't think anybody has done this at scale. I haven't seen anybody who's put any of the, these, um, these POCs uh, into production. And indeed, I don't see anybody planning to do this, um, which is a bit of a shame that um, we've got this uh, underlying foundational technology, these protocols in the Web3 community that are actually perfect for doing large-scale distributed transactional systems which is effectively what a social network is, um, but they're being ignored because they've been, you know, tarnished in some people's minds as being, oh, that's 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 money, that's finance, uh, that's dirty, and um, that's not something I want to get involved with. And um, so instead, they're going off and they're inventing um, different protocols, which um, are more or less trying to do the same thing, uh, but those protocols have some levers in place that they can pull on to basically gatekeep um, which in my mind it it goes against the ethos of having an open internet so it actually makes me feel uncomfortable that they're going that route instead of going the route of using something that is actually truly open so it's a very interesting space and i think what's going to be very interesting to see as well is when uh, meta move into this uh, activity pub space they will become the 600 pound gorilla in that space and they will naturally start to influence the direction of those open standards. Uh, I think about in the past, for example, as a long-term PHP user, when Meta got involved, it was Facebook back then, when they got involved heavily in the, the PHP community, um, they brought out their own uh, fork of PHP, in fact, called Hack which had many, many, many fantastic optimizations to that language. And then they started to share that with the open source PHP community. And it actually made PHP better, especially around version eight, it started to get really, really faster. And a lot of that was the learnings that Facebook was able to bring to the table from running PHP at massive scale 
on facebook.com. So what Meta are going to do is they're going to bring knowledge of, of running services at scale to the ActivityPub community. Uh, already, you know, um, Threads, Threads.net has greatly eclipsed um, the user base of Mastodon. Um, it's already at about 100 million users and it's just going to grow and grow. So they're going to get experience running ActivityPub at a scale that Mastodon will never reach. And there's some really brilliant engineers inside Meta. So what they're going to start to do is they're going to start to optimize that protocol. They're going to start to make improvements. They're going to make enhancements. They're going to make it better. But also, they're going to end up leading it. They're going to end up setting their direction. So, you know, again, if you're at Mastodon or you're like uh, in the existing Fediverse and you're looking at this, uh, you may not necessarily be happy with this huge corporation moving into your neighborhood. But that's exactly what they're going to do. That's what Facebook do. Or Meta, I should say. So this is going to be a very interesting space to watch. And I'm definitely going to be um, getting my popcorn out for this one in the months ahead. So apart from thinking about the Fediverse, what else did I do this week? Um, I've done some work on Grepper.org, which is my web search engine hobby project that I've been building for the last few months. So I've got it to um, 2 million pages indexed now. So if you go to grapper.org and run a search, you'll see that um, it's listing down the bottom that there's about 2 million pages uh, indexed. I also added in uh, time field supports on each of those search results. So it'll now show you the age of the, the result. So if, if it's within the last few hours, if it's within the last few days, last few months, etc., you'll see that now on the UI. It'll show you exactly how recent or how old that particular index entry is. And now that I have those time fields in there, it opens up the possibility to also do filters and sorts based upon time. Um, so that's live now. I put it live today, in fact, um, and I will continue to, to monitor that and we'll continue to work on adding new functionality around time-based queries. Uh, apart from that, some media that I enjoyed this week. I'm still reading Longitude by Davos Sobel, uh, which is about the, um, the breakthroughs in early clock technology to try to enable sailors to accurately predict their longitude when they were navigating around the world. It's a fascinating historical read. And I also watched the House of the Dragon uh, TV show, which was a spin-off from Game of Thrones. Hadn't actually seen that yet. It's about a year old, but um, eventually decided to go and, and watch it. Um, I think I delayed watching it because I was so burned out from the final season of Game of Thrones that I just didn't want to go back and <laughs> go through all of that again. Um, but I actually enjoyed it. It was pretty good. Um, I didn't love it. I didn't love it certainly as much as the first few seasons of the main Game of Thrones uh, serial. I thought that was exceptional. Um, but it was certainly better than the second half of the Game of Thrones serial. So I would put it somewhere in the middle and uh, definitely recommend it to anybody who is casually interested in that, that world. Okay, so I will leave it there um, and get back to enjoying my weekend. Uh, I will hope to get um, my podcast out on time next week. I'm still planning to also release an episode of the Tech Leadership series. Um, I, I'm also working on a script for that episode on uh, turning up at meetings. Um, I've just been delayed on all such activities this week because, frankly speaking, I've just been extremely busy. I've been flat out. But I wanted to get this episode out today, at least, to keep the, the rhythm going of, of weeklies. 
So I will speak to you next week and I hope you have a great weekend. Take care. Bye bye.